You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. If you will, turn in your Bible or your tablet or whatever you have that you're going to be using tonight to Joshua. The book of Joshua chapter 8 is where we are tonight. Joshua chapter 8. I'm just, I'm glad to be here with you guys. I'm glad that you guys are here, that we're all here and able to study the Bible together. It's just a, it's a great thing that we get to do in the middle of the week. We to come together, worship the Lord together and get in His Word. And, and I'm amped on that and I hope you are too. And uh, if you're taking notes tonight and you would like um, a title for the, sort, for the study, if you're into that type of thing, the title for tonight's study is From Failure to Victory. From failure to victory, and we'll, we will outline the study as we go along, um, but what I want to do first before we go any further is I want to read um, chapter, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 8, and then I want to pray because we need the Lord, and then uh, we'll go from there. So if you're there, Joshua chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. Guys, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, okay? God, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you, God, just as I was just saying, Lord, how... I thank you how we can just come together and study it freely. Lord, it's amazing that these men and women want to come out on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week, God, and just get into your word. And I pray that tonight as we do open up the Bible, as we get in and we study and we unpack what you have to say to us, that, Lord, you would just be our teacher here. That, God, you would be our teacher. You would direct this time. God, I selfishly ask for you that you would anoint me to teach and preach your word, God, effectively only to your glory, only to your end, God, only to what you want it to be. God, we submit to you this time and just pray that you would come here, Lord, and you would, you would meet with us. You would meet with your people. And, God, I'm thankful that we can ask that expectantly. Like, God, you're into this. And so I pray that in this time, Lord, you would speak, we would listen, and we would leave change, ready to see the world changed as well. And God, uh, you, you get all the glory. It's all yours. And so we just lift this time up to you in your name. Amen. Amen, guys. Well, as we have been studying the book of Joshua... This book of the Bible that is not only historical in context and really just a great story. Like, if you've never read the book of Joshua all the way through, it's just a cool story, right? Like, it's a, it's a man book if there's any, if any of them. Like, there's all this, like, warfare and conquering and taking the land. It's, it's a cool story. And we have also been studying and looking at not just that, but we've also been looking at the reality of how it applies to our lives as well. The theme of this book is enter in. And in entering in, what we are looking at is how God has indeed for each of us a life that we are to enter into as well. As we're in relationship with the Lord, as we are living with the Lord, he has for us a life, a spirit-filled, a promised-filled life to live in, enter into, and walk with him. And that life is one that we live with him on the day-to-day. -day. And it's one that he's prepared for each of us, Right? Like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Spirit-filled, the promise-filled life that God calls us to enter into with him is one that he has set up and wants us to be in with him. 
And tonight, as we, as we study this, what we see, especially here in the first part of the text, is that God has created for us good works to live in, a life to live in, and walk within Him, even after we have experienced failure. Even after we have experienced failure and defeat. A recap from last week, if you guys were with us, if you weren't with us. If you remember, we left Joshua and the nation of Israel defeated and dealing with sin in the camp last week, right? defeated by what was, in every practical sense, a weaker force. They went to conquer the land of Ai. And if you don't know, in the original language, Ai actually means heap. In, in our vernacular, it would be like speed bump, right? Just like this little heap of a town, just something to get over. And in all practical fleshly sense, it should have been no problem for them to go and take that town, right? Like they just defeated Jericho. Like Jericho, Ai, no big deal. But they go in and they're defeated. They're going in there defeated because there's sin in the camp. There was sin in the camp that had to be dealt with, and until it was handled, then they would not be able to stand against an enemy, no matter how small they may have seemed. And furthermore, God spoke to them saying that he would not be with them as they went forward unless that sin was dealt with. And if you were with us last week, we saw the whole of Israel was called together, like the whole, all of them. And then through a series of processes, it came down to tribes, and families. And then we found Achan. Achan there who had taken the Babylonian garment, who had taken the wedge of gold and the, the amount of silver there, and he hid it in his tent. And we see there that God said, deal with that sin. And indeed, the sin was dealt with as Achan and his entire family and all of the materials, all the animals, everything was stoned and then burned and then buried under a heap of stones. So it's a stark reminder of how sin must be dealt with. It must be dealt with and left. must be dealt with and left. And a very serious picture of how our sin needs to be that way as well. And if, you know, you need a reminder of that, that study's online. And dude, it is, I I watched it again for myself last week. I was like, man, my, I need to be aggressive towards my sin. We need to be aggressive towards that. But we open up today, tonight with Joshua and the rest of the Israelites sitting, having had a really a rough few days. Like, I mean, imagine those couple days that you had there. Those are a rough few days. But what we're about to see is the truth and really the theme of tonight, that though we experience failure, we can still move forward to victory. Though we experience failure, though we blow it at times, and we all have and we all will blow it, that there is no defeat that is permanent, no mistake that cannot be remedied when we are willing to be surrendered to the Lord and allow him to speak into our lives. There's no failure that we cannot step out of and no victory that we can't take if we surrender and walk with the Lord. And we can move forward from failure into victory and we will again, when we again surrender and let the Lord speak his plan into our lives. And so tonight, as we go through, we're going to see Joshua and the Israelites come out of failure and into victory. So if you'd like an outline for tonight, we're going to go through this. The first thing we're going to be looking at is God's promises in verses 1 through 2. We'll be looking then at God's plan in verses 3 through 29, and then God's people there at the end in, in verses 30 through 35. So if you, if you will with me again, let's read there in Joshua 8, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to hammer these two verses into you guys tonight. So get ready for them again and again. Verse 1 says again, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. 
lay an ambush for the city behind it. We open up in such a great way in this chapter. I absolutely love it. Because it opens up with, one, God speaking first, right? That's always a great thing. When God speaks first, man, that's a great way to start a chapter. Chapter 7 started with, but Israel trespassed, right? Chapter 8 says, but God, now the Lord said. Man, that's great. That is a great way to start. And it opens up with first God speaking to Joshua. And he speaks to Joshua, and the first thing he speaks to him is what? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Now, for you Bible, Bible, Bible students and Bible scholars, a deep theological thing to know is if God says don't be afraid and be, or be dismayed, it means that someone's afraid or dismayed. It always means that. So you can chalk that up as your theological nugget for the day. That's what you get. If God says do not be afraid, do not fear, nor be dismayed, that means that who he's talking to is afraid or dismayed. And afraid and dismayed is, is right. I mean, that is definitely understandable. Because we can all relate to this. I know that I can. That discouragement over past fear, over the past, and fear of the future are two common reactions that accompany failure. Oftentimes, we can look back and we remember our mistakes that we made. And Satan's there to remind us as well. Don't forget that guy. And we look ahead at this life that God has called us to. And we think to ourselves that we have ruined what God wants for us. And we often can wonder if there's any future for someone who failed. But the answer to that fear and discouragement that Joshua was evidently feeling given to us by the text, and that same fear that we often feel, God comes in and says, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. He comes in and speaks that reality. The first step for Joshua and the children of Israel in regaining victory from failure was for them to hear the word of the Lord and to believe in it. When God said, do not be afraid, It was because they were afraid, and God says, you don't have to be, because I'm bigger than your fear. When they were dismayed, he says, you don't be dismayed. I'm bigger than your failure. Don't sit in it. They had had dealt with the sin of Achan. Like, chapter chapter 7 was done with. The sin had been dealt with. God says, get up, move past this now. And God wants to do that with you and me as well, guys. Maybe you've blown it. Maybe sometime recently you've blown it. Maybe it wasn't so recent. You know, maybe it was in the last week or the last month or the last year or last 10 years even. But you haven't let the Lord speak to you. You haven't allowed the word of the Lord to tell you not be afraid or dismayed that and you are stagnant and not walking forward in the life that God has for you. Can I exhort you guys to listen to the Lord? Because before you can move forward to victory, before you can move forward to God's plan, you have to understand that your failure is not final. You have to understand and know that your failure is not final, and God is bigger than that. And the fear and the, and the anxiety and the dismay that comes with that failure, God says, cut it out, man. Get rid of it. That yes, we must deal with sin before God in repentance. We must die to ourselves and our flesh. Understand that the weight of sin and the dealing with sin must happen. But then we must move forward to what God has for us. We must listen to what he wants to say to us because God doesn't want us to sit in our failure, guys. He wants us to move forward. He wants us to move forward from failure into victory. And it's so cool that it's not just a thing where God's like, hey, don't be, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. You know, we're going to move now. Dude, God already has a plan before he tells you to get up and start moving, right? Like, God's already got it worked out, and I love that about our God. After exhorting to not be afraid or dismayed, God then says to get the warriors together, arise and go, because I have given Ai into your hands. 
God was moving forward with this plan that he had for his people, and he wanted them to move with him, to move forward with him into the victory that, notice there, he had already claimed for them. The victory was certain, and we are about to move on to verse 3, but I want to draw your attention again to verse 2 real fast before we leave, because there's something really neat there that we should look at. There in Joshua 8, 2, it says, God says, and you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Do you see what God did right there? He gives the spoils and the cattle that would be won in the victory to the people. And I think back to last week. I think about Achan. That if he had only waited a few more days and for the Lord's timing, he could have shared in that spoils of victory. He could have shared in the blessing that God had for his people. And what we see here is a lesson for all of us today. To know and remember that God is not about withholding good things from us, right? In fact, God is about giving us the best, but it has to be in his timing. It has to be according to what he wants to do, when he wants to do. And as we enter in, as we walk in this life that God has for each of us, we need to know that God is a God who loves us and has good things for us here. And oftentimes, the Christian life gets a bad rep. I mean, we do. We get a bad rep for being, like, boring or, or you know, the Christian life's too straight. You don't have it. God has great things for us. I mean, marriage. Think about that. Fellowship with one another. You know, position and the different things that he blesses us with. Like, we, we've got it really good walking with the Lord. We really do. We don't talk about that nearly enough. We're really good about talking about, uh, you know, humdrum. And don't get me wrong, we need to talk about what's going on in our life. But, dude, we are blessed because we have the Lord. Dude, we have heaven to look forward to, right? I mean, it's amazing. But that, too, is in his timing. Being in the presence of the Lord is also in his timing. And his timing is perfect. And in this spirit-filled life of promise that we are supposed to walk in, it's absolutely necessary for us to not get ahead of God in his timing. Because when we run ahead of the Lord, we usually, I would say, always rob ourselves and we damage those around us as well. And like I said, it could be a place, a position, a possession, a relationship that God has for you. Wait on him in it. And, you know, this was something that I just couldn't get away from today as I was studying, you know, as I was going over and typing and looking over my notes again. God was very much like, dude, hit on this. Understand here tonight, church, that where you're at is where God has you. And what he's doing in your life right now is what he needs to do in your life. And if, you have a, if there's a relationship, if there's a position, a place, something that you have your eyes on, that you know, hey, God has that for me, but you're not there, it's because God doesn't have you there yet. Understand that walking with the Lord is walking in his timing. Now, when he says to get up and do it, get up and do it. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, you know. But wait on him. Wait for him. We see that here in the word. And we see there the restoration, the continued promise of God. But now let's get also into the plan that God has and see not only it, see it not only shared, but executed as well. So we've seen his promise there in verses, excuse me, one and two. Now on to, on to verse three. And we're going to break this up as well into some subpoints. So we have God's plan, which is in all of Joshua 8, 3 through 29. But as we walk through the next verses, I want to direct you to three different things that we see in the plan of God. And the first is that the plan of God, the plan of God for conquering AI was all-inclusive. It was all-inclusive. Read with me there in verses 3 through 8. It says, So Joshua arose 
and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. And then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and and it will come about when they come out against us as at the first, that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say they are fleeing before us at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be there when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do. See, I have commanded you. God's plan for conquering Ai was first all-inclusive. And what I mean by that is, you know, when, when man was planning the attack on Ai, what was the plan? To take just a few, right? Take just a few thousand. Ah, that city's not that big a deal. That heap, that speed bump, it's not a big deal. Just, just a few thousand, we'll wipe it out, we'll move on, we'll keep on going, no big deal. But they were defeated. And God says, no, you take everyone. I don't care how, how, how insignificant that town seems, man, you take everyone. God's plan is all-inclusive. Take all the people of war. Go up against Ai is what verse 3 tells us. And what a wonderful reminder and challenge that is for us. That in this life, we are to be those that draw from everything that is available to us by the Lord. You know, 2 Peter 1 says that we are given everything that pertains to life and godliness. In this life, we live, we are equipped to walk and walk victoriously. But yet so often, in church, we negate to use the things that God has given to us. You know, we are given the word. We we have the word. Nowadays, we have the word in book form. We have it on tablets and phones. We have it on the radio. We have it on, we, we have access to the Bible. We have access to it, and yet we negate it. We have access to prayer, access straight to the ear and the heart of the Lord, and yet we negate to sit and speak and talk with him and hear from him. We have the help of the Holy Spirit that we, you know, push off and say, I've got this one. God has given us all of these things that pertain to life and godliness available for us to move in and use. We're given so much, but yet we think, nah, I've got this one on my own. This isn't that big of a deal. You know, sometimes we come to Jericho and we're like, dude, you've got to show up, God. You've got to show up and be here, man. You've got to do it. But we come to Ai and we're like, hmm, I, I, I got it. No, God is an all-inclusive God no matter the situation. He says, I've given it to you. Take it with you. I've given you the word. Be in it. Know it. Go forward with it. I've given you prayer. Pray all the time. Talk to me. I'm here to hear from you. The Holy Spirit is available. Be filled. Let him continually fill you. God's plan is an all-inclusive plan that we are to walk in. And when we come up against that sin that continues to trap us, when we come up to a situation, we have God given to us everything to take care of it, to walk in it and live for him. And can I exhort you to that truth that to walk in victory, we need to take hold of everything that God has for us. And it's a big thing to understand that that stuff is available to us even after failure. Still, God wants to give that to you. It's still available. God's grace, it has no limits there. Take hold of it. Take hold of it and walk. We need to be walking through this life with an all-inclusive mindset when it comes to the Lord. God's plan for AI was all-inclusive. So is it with us. It was also, notice, practical. It was practical. And this is kind of a tricky one, and I'll explain what I mean by practical. You know, 
Read with me. Actually, first, let's read there in verse 9 before I start to talk. Let's let the word talk. Verse 9 says, Joshua therefore sent them out, and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai. And on the west side of Ai, but Joshua lodged that night amongst the people. He's a great leader, by the way. Just letting you guys know. Joshua's a phenomenal leader. I love that he just hangs with his people. Verse 10, then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near. And they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. And now a valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and sent them to ambush between, and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai and on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was of the, on the north of the city and its rear guard, guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. And so all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. A stark difference between the battle plan over Jericho versus the battle plan for Ai is that the battle plan for Ai is one that would theoretically actually work when you think about it. Like, it's not one that you would tell a, a, you know, a, a military-minded guy and be like, hey, Jericho, here's the battle plan. We're going to walk around it, silence, blow a horn and shout, and it's going to fall. They'd be like, you're nuts. But you show them the plan for AI, and they're like, okay, around, ambush. That could work. That could absolutely work. And because it's practical, it's a real-life scenario. And, and, and I... And I, I Say that because it's something to take note of. Because as those walking in and always seeking out the will of the Lord, as we should be, we need to understand that our God is a God of different methods. Our God is a God who, is not, who doesn't have to operate in a box, right? Like he doesn't have to operate in a box all the time. There are times when Jericho's fall. And there's time that Jericho's fall the way that they fall. Sometimes God's like, dude, you know what? You walk around that city, you do it in silence. And then when I say, you blow that trumpet and you shout. And those walls are coming down. God can totally do that. He's the God. He's, he can do that. And he does that. He's the God who says, water stand upon one another. And it stands up and the Israelites walk through the Red Sea. It is what it is, right? But our God is also a God who says, you know what? You do this strategic plan that would work in any, any military scenario. He's a God who says, you know what, Count your, put your ducks in a row and go forward. Our God is also a practical God. And this is tricky because sometimes we as Christians, I know myself, man, I, I'm all about God doing this mighty amazing work. I'm like, okay, God's going to do something cool. That means this and this is going to happen. None of it's going to make sense, and, but I'm going to know I can trust God and I'm going to walk forward. And dude, I, you know, when my wife and I first, uh, first got married, well, actually, that's not a good example because we were just newly wed and dumb. Um, we moved to McKinney without any... Uh, uh, I was dumb, not my wife. I would never say that about my wife. Um, we moved to McKinney to help with the church plant. And I had a great... I mean, you know, the Lord, I was like, you know, we have no job, we have no money, but God's going to provide. And dude, he provided. 
he provided. He did great. But there was a time in that job where I was, there was a time over there where I was like, yeah, we're just living on faith. My wife works at Starbucks, making no money. I work at this running store, making no money. God's working. This is great. And then I get approached with this promotion at that store where I'm going to be making good money. And I, no joke, I looked in and I said, that makes too much sense. I'm, 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 a ch- I'm, I'm planning a church with people. I can't have a job that pays good money. That's too, that makes too much. That's practical. That's too practical. And it took someone that I, you know, consider um, a very, very mature Christian, a very mature man in the Lord. He said, dude, God's a practical God too. Like, why is God, why, why would God be upset with you getting a raise? Like, come on, man. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess God can be practical as well. But that's something that we do sometimes. We look for the miraculous, and God is the God of the miraculous. We look for the big and the, like, the, wah. We look for just the big things, but God is a God of practicality as well. God is a God who, you know, says, hey, you know what? Go with everyone to AI. Here's your, here's your battle plan. Walk in that, and the victory is won. He's the God who says to Nehemiah, or, you know, who instructs and gave it on Nehemiah when he was going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He said, dude, get your ducks in a row. And Nehemiah did. He says, I want this, and I need this, and help me with this, and he did it. He's the God who says, okay, in the early church, you guys need to teach the word. These people are complaining. Get some guys to wait tables. God is a God of practicality. And my point is with both of these, again, that we don't need to put God in a box. We have to understand that our God is a God who does miraculous, crazy things, and he also does those practical things, and our God has plans and methods for us in this life that we must walk in when he lays them out for us. Our God is a God of practicality. He has plans, and those plans, sometimes they can make great sense. Sometimes they won't. You obey no matter what. You obey regardless. And that's what our third point is here. It was, it was an all-inclusive plan. It was a practical plan, which, you know, for people like me, throws a wrench into my psyche, and I'm just like, ah! But it was a plan that had to be obeyed. It was a plan that had to be obeyed. Let's read there in verses 18 through 29. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out his spear that was in his hand toward the city. And so those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as they had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven, so they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on the pursuers. And when Joshua and all of Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out of the city against them. So they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass, when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they pursued them, and when they had all, all had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword." So it was all that who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. 
And so Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, raise it over a great heap of stones that remains to this day. God's plan for Ai was all-inclusive. It was practical, but it had to be obeyed. Joshua and his men were all in position, ready to go. The plan had been started. And there in verse 18, we see God tell Joshua, stretch out his spear and let the men attack Ai. And it's here that we see this need for obedience. Like God makes a direct, a direct line to Joshua. He says, do this. And I challenge you with the idea that here in this moment, that Joshua and the army of Israel had to put away the past failure that they had experienced once and for all. And they had to run in and claim the victory that God had given to them. And I say that because as we are called and are living this life that God has for us, and as we walk and we war at times, and talking about going from failure to victory, even when we know the plan for the Lord, the plan of the Lord, even at times when we know that there is victory in him to be claimed, sometimes I would dare say often, I know for myself, being completely vulnerable, It's in those moments of obedience where we face the greatest struggle. Everything could be lined up and ready to go. Every plan, every every detail could be lined out. But in our moment of seizing the victory and going forward with the Lord, that's where the enemy comes and tries to remind us one last time of our failure. Saying, look, you're going to AI again. They beat you last time. Yeah, I know that everything seems like it's going to work out great. You have everyone with you now. You know, you're, God has said, God has given you this plan. It's practical. It works. You're all together. It seems like it's going, but it's going to fail. And it's in that moment that Joshua had to make a decision to say, I'm going to point the spear or, you know what, God, I, I, I'm out. The same is true for us. The same is true for us, church. It's in our moment of seizing the victory and going forward with the Lord where the enemy comes to us and tries to remind us of where we have failed before. And can I point you to the example that we see in Joshua there? I love it. God says, point the spear, dude, the spear goes out. Are you walking in obedience when God says go? Are we doing that? Because I sometimes have a a hang-up with that. Because I think about myself. I think about where I've been, what I've done. And I'm like, God, I, I see what's ahead. I see that you have this plan. I failed at this before. You know, I've fallen in this before. I, I know this end game. God says, obey me. Take hold of everything that I've get, given you. Take hold of the victory that I promised you. Go forward. Are we doing that? Are we a church? Are we, a, are, are, are we those that say, God, I trust you. I'm going to obey in this. Because God promised Joshua the victory. He's like, look, you've got this. I have given them into your hands. Not only will you defeat them, but you get to take stuff with you. Not, I have given you not only the victory, but excess. You get more than that. Trust me in that. And when he says, obey, Joshua obeyed. Are we obeying? Do we obey in the same way? Do we trust the Lord enough to say, your plan, man, you've given me everything that I need. Do we trust that enough? Do we say, God, you're a God who is sometimes crazy, it seems, but you're also a practical God, but either way, I'm going to obey. And then when it comes down to it, do we obey? 
Can I challenge you as I'm challenging myself? When the Lord says, dude, I've got the victory for you, go forward in that victory. Claim that victory, no matter the failure that you've had. Because again, God wants, us to, take, wants to take us from failure to victory. God wants to take you from failure that you've experienced and have you be victorious over that thing that you failed in. He's about that. He's a God who overcomes. He's a God who wants to take us and help us to overcome so that we can walk further with him. And we see that happen here. I love it. And for you and me here tonight, again, can I exhort you and challenge you to do the same thing as Joshua. When God says, move, move. When God says, I've given you the victory, walk in that victory. Take hold of that victory. You obey, go forward, and keep going until it's done. I love that too. Like verse 26, what's it say that, that Joshua, they, they tore down all of Ai, they destroyed it. And Joshua did not withdraw his hand until it was completely destroyed. You know, God's plan is one that we continue to walk in, we continue to move in and go in, and we don't stop until the victory is won. We don't stop until it's all said and done. Don't stop short of what God has in that, you know? Like, God is a God who wants to move us forward and wants to use us. You obey, trust in God's plan, God's promises, trust in his victory, and we've seen the promise, we've seen the plan. Let's now pick up in verse 30 there through 35, and let's see God's people. I love this section. It says, Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. As it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And then all of Israel with their elders and officers and judges stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. We end this chapter with a victory followed by a great act of obedience. From Joshua in the people of Israel as a whole. And really what we see here is a renewed covenant with the Lord. Here we see Joshua put a hold on the military conquest of the land and they go and fulfill a commandment that was given to them by Moses back in Deuteronomy chapter 27, um, verses one through eight. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna turn there and read. You can read that on your own. But where Moses, what he had done is he had told them that when they get into the land of promise to go build an altar there on Mount Ebal. And there they were to go and offer burnt offerings there to the Lord, peace offerings, and there was to be rejoicing and worship. Like there, This was supposed to be like this, this proclaiming of we are here. And along with that, we see there, what we see commanded in Deuteronomy, they were not only, that they were not only to worship, sacrifice, they were also to pay attention to the word of God. They were there called to take, white, take, take stones, hewn and whitewashed, and the law was to be written on and read from them. 
And in all of this, the people were con- concreting who they were there in the land. And in this situation, what it is, and I love it, it is a beautiful picture of saying, here we are victorious in the land. Because they had just come from failure. They had just come from a place of failure there with AI, and then having walked in a new victory, coming from failure to victory, now they say, you know what, God, we're coming back to you. We want to make sure that as we continue to walk forward, that we are here with you. We want to make sure to know in concrete in our hearts and in this place that we are yours. And they were saying, here we are, Lord, under your authority, recognizing your word, your law as the standard we are here not to operate in our own wisdom like we did before, but we're here to walk in your plan. We're here to do what you have called us to do. The people had experienced defeat as a, has, had experienced defeat as a result of sin. The, def, the people had already experienced failure and needed the Lord to carry them through, and we saw that. He did that. But what I love is that the people recognized that they didn't want that again. And Joshua, being a great leader again, recognized that the best thing for the people to do was to worship the Lord and recommit their way to him. And that was a necessary thing for us to do as well. As we've been talking tonight about coming out of failure and experiencing victory, as we've been talking about and seen that God's love for us and his promise that he, that he is still with us and wants to walk with us even when we fail, We've seen the reality of his plan, how he, has, how he has one. Like, he has a plan for us, and it's good. It's good, and he wants us to walk in it. But we end the night with God's people, and that's the name of this section because God's people in this title of this section because that is the mind and the heart set that the people of Israel wanted to concrete there in the land. And I say that because they came into the land. It was a massive thing when they entered in, right? The Jordan split. They come in, they enter the land. Amazing. They go to Jericho, conquer it. Dude, the Lord does a mighty work, tears it up. It's a great story. I love that story so much, if you can't tell. They go to Ai, and they, they set, step out in their flesh, sin in the camp, and they fail. But then God takes them from that failure to that victory. It's a great thing. God wants to do that with us. But the people then say, you know what? It is important that we don't let AI happen again. So we will concrete ourselves in who the Lord has us to be. And they do that through sacrifice and worship and through sitting under the authority of his word. And that's what's available to us too, guys. It's what's available to us as well as we are those who walking in this life, who have entered into this life that God has called us to who have entered in and are wanting to walk, and at times we will war, at times we will struggle and fail. As we are walking in this life, God says, you know what? I can take you out of that failure and into victory. And then we need to be those that say, you know what, God? I want to stay in victory. And to stay in victory, we have to stay with the Lord. To stay in victory, we have to say, God, I will put myself under you and in, in with you, like under the authority of your word. Understanding that what it says for my life is absolutely important, that your word is the standard, and that you're a God who is with me. And so I want to stay with you as well. And so guys, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know where you are tonight. But if you're like me, you have failed before. If you're like any human, you failed before. It just is what it is. And I don't know where you are tonight, but if you're not taking hold of the victory that God has for you. 
Man, he has a victory for you to walk in. And you can take hold of it. And we take hold of it by coming to him and saying, God, you know what? This is where I failed. I want to deal with it first. And that's what we have to do first. We have to deal with it first. We have to deal with the failure. We have to deal with our sin. But then once it's dealt with, God says, don't sit in your failure because I don't hold you in your failure. I don't see you in your failure. Move forward with me. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Get up and let's go. And so tonight, guys, as we end, I want to take this time. I want to take these uh, however long we have, you know, 20 minutes or so. And invite and challenge you guys as we worship, as we seek out, you know, wanting to sit and let the Lord speak to us in this. Are you walking in the victory that he has for you? Are you walking in a life that's victorious, a life that is spirit-filled and spirit-led? Or are you sitting in your failure? Are you sitting in the fear and the dismay that Satan wants to keep you in? And it's, it's one of those things, guys, where we can, we can come to the Lord because he's invited us to it. Hebrews 4.16 was to say that we can run boldly into the throne of grace to seek help in our time of need. And we can absolutely do that tonight. We can do that tonight and take hold of the victory that he has for us, that he wants to put us into. He wants to take us out of failure into victory. But only he can do that. Only he can do that. And so tonight, guys, as the team comes back up, as we get ready to worship, do business with the Lord. If you're in a time or a feeling of failure, a feeling of just separation from, from God because of what you've done or what you may, what may have happened, don't sit in it. Come to the Lord. Do business with the Lord. Sit under the authority. Sit under the, the, the beauty of his word that says he doesn't condemn you. He loves you. He condemns your sin and wants to take care of that. But he offers to us grace and grace that can push us forward and move us forward into victory. Let's pray.